0: You know, guys, we are going through the letter to Galatians. We've entitled this series, Accepted, Experiencing Grace Day by Day. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, well, I'll just be, I'll just tell you what like it is. Galatians is an unusual letter because most of the other letters kind of follow a format, a personal letter like this from Paul where you know, he begins with, hi, it's Paul to whoever, Then he has like five, six, seven, eight verses of a prayer of thanksgiving for the church. He wants to say about how he's thankful for them. That doesn't exist in this letter. He's got his greeting, but then he just goes right to the issue. What's the issue? They've been deceived. They've been deceived by a lie. You say, how's that possible? Especially when you consider this letter was only written a few months after he was just there. He was there helping this church to come into existence, sharing the gospel with them, forming this church. Then he leaves, and he's getting reports about some disturbing things that are going on with them. And so he writes back, doesn't even bother with the thanksgiving, says, you're deceived. Somebody's come there, told you a lie. What was the lie? Well, the lie was, it's a subtle lie, Yes, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, but you also need to do these other things in order for God to accept you. In order for you to be accepted by God, to be loved by God. And in their instance, in that day, it would be Jewish believers coming up from the church in Jerusalem telling them that they needed to keep the law specifically for the men they needed to be circumcised they needed to eat certain things and not eat things and they needed to keep the new moons and the festivals and so forth and paul's saying whoa whoa, whoa wait a minute that's not it your acceptance with god has nothing to do with what you do it has to do with what jesus did for you when he died on the cross because you can't do anything for your salvation would everybody agree with that Yeah, you can't do anything for your salvation. What makes you think you've got to do something to keep it? Because if you can't do it to gain it, that surely means you're not good enough to even keep it, right? See, this is the point he was making to him. So he went through, and that's what we focused on in the last few few lessons that we've done on Sunday morning, went through the argument of trying to get them to understand that it's an issue of faith. Not an issue of doing certain things. And you and I fall into that where we start thinking that I'm okay with God as long as I'm doing this. The biggest one for us is your devotional time. So some of you will grab the daily bread out there. We want you to take the daily bread. Listen, take the daily bread, use it, but you use it for another purpose, not this purpose. Some of you will take it and use it for the wrong purpose. You'll use it because... You want to be sure that you're okay with God. That's a wrong reason to do it. That's kind of like saying in a marriage relationship, you're know, like Lori and I went last night, we, we went out and had dinner together last night, and, and that would be like, George went out and had dinner last night with Lori so I can make sure I'm okay with Lori. That's a wrong reason, right? First of all, she'll see right through that. Okay? I went out with her last night and ate fish because I wanted to spend time with her. Did did you understand what I'm saying? You have devotions with God because you want to spend what? Time with Him, not for Him to what? Look favorably at you. Like all of a sudden, well, He spent 30 minutes with me today. So this is the issue. So we talked about it last week. And, and listen, he, remember last week we looked at verses 17 through 21. Today we're going to fo- go back and just focus on verse 20. See, the issue is, is when you start regulating your life by, if i got to do certain things in order to be accepted by God, here's the only thing it's going to prove. He made it very clear last week that you're a sinner. Do you know what I mean? Why? Because can you be perfect in reading your Bible? Can you be perfect in the amount of time you spend in prayer? Can you be perfect in your church attendance? Believe me, I know, you're not. Okay? Do you know what I mean? That, you see, all that proves is, is you are human. You're weak. So I just want to point out a couple of things to you this morning. We're going to talk about this whole issue, especially focusing in on where we're at today. So for a lot of us, we're just existing in Christianity because, let's be honest, we've been deceived. Whether you realize it or not, you've been deceived. What do you mean? Because you're just existing in Christianity. You haven't realized what's available to you. So two points I want to make here. Here's the first one. The Christian life has become a matter of learning how to cope with sin. Isn't that true? Think about it for a moment. For a lot of people, the Christian life is a struggle because, number one, you're always going to be struggling with your sin, right? And by the way, the Apostle Paul struggled with his sin. How do we know that? Just go to Romans 7. The good that I want to do, I don't do. That which I want to do, I don't. I do. Oh, wretched man, who can deliver me from this body of sin? You and I are sinners. You're going to what? Sin. You're going to do wrong. Okay? Everybody's going to do wrong. But the problem is, is Christianity today, we, we have kind of like this moralism that's going on where we're trying to learn how to cope with our sin. So we we all of our teaching is focused on how to deal with your sin, how to recover from your sin, how to handle your sin, how to cope with your sin, how to do this to be happy, how to do that. And, and a lot of it is just simply trying to learn how to, to deal with it, how to cope with it. that's what we've reduced it down to. And and it's a lot of moralism. And I'll be honest with you, look today, one of the big things that's happening in the world, pastors are talking about it, is people are leaving the church, they're not satisfied because they look at what's in the church and they're like, I don't know that I want that. Is that all there is? Living by a moral code? Because they struggle with it because... Look, here's the thing. Can anybody keep the moral codes? They always prove you're a what? Sinner. Does everybody understand? Would everybody acknowledge that with me? You're going to fail. Either in deed or thought. And Jesus already told you what? If you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her. I mean, he sets this bar pretty high. So we're just existing because the Christian life has become a matter of learning how to cope with sin. Here's the second thing it's easy to live without truly understanding who you are as a believer. You know what? The Christian life to a lot of people, maybe you'll appreciate this illustration, okay? All right, so I live in Kerwinsville. Some of you live in Kerwinsville. And so when you, to get to Clearfield, there's only one road, okay? I mean, there's some other roads, but why would you take those? I mean, there's only one road. It's the Kerwinsville Highway, right? Kerwinsville-Clearfield Highway. And if you are in Kerwinsville and you ride that road all the time, you know that there's only one place to pass on that road, It's right as you get out of town, and that's it. Other than that, it's two two, two lines the whole way. Boom. Okay. Now, how many of you like me have ever had the experience of getting there, and you're like, "I gotta be in town for that eleven thirty appointment," and you get behind a guy that's going forty, and then you look in the rearview mirror, and the cars are the trucks are just stacking up because the guy's going forty. Have you ever had that experience going through town? Yeah, I have. A lot of you are laughing. I know what you were saying while that was happening. No, I don't don't know exactly, but I kind of can guess. Okay? All right. All right, so we understand that. Now, let's, let's, I want you in your mind, think about some dude in a new Mustang or a new Charger who's got power beneath the hood. And he's taking that road and he's doing 35 because he's worried. He's not sure what he's got underneath. He's not sure if he can handle it. And you're behind him and you're thinking, man, you got the machine. You can do it. Take off. Right? Hey, you know what? That's a lot like Christians today because you don't understand What's available to you as a believer? And you're doing 35 in your walk with Jesus because you're spending your time managing sins. Now, I'm not telling you to sin. You're, You're told not to sin. Do you understand? But your whole focus is on managing the thing that is always going to prove that you're what? A failure. There's so much more. So you're just existing. And some people, can I tell you, they get to the point where they're done existing and they say, adios to the church. So that brings you to the whole issue what we're going to look at today. It's one verse, one verse, three statements that are so powerful that I hope you will grasp today. Let's look together. It's verse 20. Galatians. Paul's testimony. May it be our testimony. Verse 20. He says this. It's up on the screen for you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Three statements. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to break those three statements into three parts to help you to understand the new life you have. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, a lot of people don't understand the new life. What do you mean they don't understand it? Because our focus is so much on, let's get them saved, let's get them saved, get them to pray a prayer, and then we just assume that they're going to figure it out on their own. What they figure out on their own is the lie that Paul's talking about. Well, i got to do all these things to have God accept me. No, no, you don't have to do anything to have God accept you. But you have a life before you that you're not even aware of. And that's my job today, is to make you aware of it. So let me give you the three sections. Here it is. Number one, we're going to look at the first part. It's going to talk about salvation, what happened at salvation. A lot of you are not even aware of this. But there is a spiritual thing that happened to you at salvation. Then we're going to see that out of that salvation, a spiritual reality happened. A spiritual reality happened. And then beyond that, we're going to see that we have a new focus now. And let me tell you right now, the new focus isn't coping with your sins. All right, let me just tell you that right now. It's not managing your sin life. It's something completely different. What is it? All right, let's take a look. First of all, the issue of salvation. Look at that statement. Here's the first statement, okay? Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Alright, so first thing, at salvation, your old sinful self died with Christ. You need to understand that. See, here's the thing, most people don't understand that. When you hear the typical gospel presentation today, it typically goes like this What are you going to do when you die? Why should God let you into heaven? And people will say, oh, well, you know, because I kept the Ten Commandments, which, by the way, most people don't even know what the Ten Commandments are, but they're keeping them, supposedly, okay? Second of all, they'll say, well, you know, I was a good person, I didn't do bad things, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, none of that really matters. We know that. It has to be you get into heaven because you have faith in who? Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And then, quote, you come to salvation, and you know that you're what? Forgiven, and you have eternal life, and let's go on and live life now. That's typically what the presentation is. I've kind of trivialized it a little bit for a reason because most people don't truly understand what happens the moment you got saved. Let me explain to you what happens the moment you got saved. So let me back it up to the very essence of who you are. Do you realize that who you are is a spirit being who inhabits a body of what? Flesh. Most of us think in terms of ourselves as just being this. No, no. You are that, but you're also a spirit, because when you die, what? The body is corrupted. It turns to ash, but the spirit continues on, right? And when you go to be with Jesus, you get a whole new body. All right, so in the essence of who you are, you are a spirit. So here's what happens at Salvation. When you died, you died with Jesus. Now, where did he die? On the cross. That's why Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. The moment at salvation, you died spiritually. The old you that was rebelling against God, that was rejecting him, died with him on the cross. Most people have no clue about that. Well, it's just me, it's always been me. No, no, no. The old you died. That's what he's trying to tell you here. The old you died. It's not just in this passage. He says the very same thing in Romans. He says the same thing in Ephesians where he tells us to put off the deeds of the old man. You know, Quit acting like the old man. The old man's dead. That's why when you got saved and you looked in the mirror, you still looked the same. You did look the same because the body still looks the same, but the spirit is different. Do you understand? You have a new spirit now. A new spirit. Okay, so let's go on. Second thing he says there. Look at what he says. I was crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now here's the second aspect of what happens at salvation. With that death, you were raised a new person. With that death, when you died spiritually, at that instance of dying spiritually, you were resurrected spiritually. You became a new person. You were created completely new. In fact, he says this, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. I mentioned this verse to you last week. Look at what he says. Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So here's what I want you to understand. Most people don't understand. Oh, they think I'm forgiven. Oh, I'm going to have a place in heaven. No, I'm telling you, when you got saved, you became a new person. You're new. And, and he describes it in this way. He said, Christ lives within me. What does that mean? Folks, we know that that moment that you die became a new person. Who indwells you? The Spirit of God. You're completely new. See, to understand, think for a moment, Ephesians chapter 2, he begins when he talks about when you were dead in Christ, that is, you were dead to him in the relationship, he says very clearly that that old you was led by three things. Three things you were led by. Number one, you were led by the culture, whatever the culture's doing. You were led by Satan. It doesn't mean you were possessed by him, but you don't need to be possessed by him. He's a button pusher. He knows exactly how to tempt you. And then number three, you were led by your own flesh, your own cravings. Do you understand what cravings are? You don't know what they are? Go to Walmart, go to the checkout. Look at all the stuff there. Tell me if you don't have a craving. Do do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it happens. And your life, the old you, was basically guided by those things. But the new you is guided by somebody else who's new now. What is it? The Spirit of God living within you. You became a new person. Now, you look the same. Back then, that was 35 years ago, April 35 years I had hair. I'm admitting I don't have hair anymore, okay? My family tells me every day I don't have hair anymore, okay? But you're new. You're new. You're a new person. That's the first part. That's the first part of what he's saying here. That in itself should help you to understand. Because have you ever said something like this? Have you ever said something like this? Oh, I wish I could change, but I can't. Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? I wish I could change, but I can't. Really? The old you couldn't change, but the new you can. In fact, that's what he talks about in Romans. He tells you how to change in Romans chapter 6. The power was broken that was over your life when you died with Christ and you were raised new. The reason why you're still doing that is because you choose to still do that. That's the reality. So notice now, okay, so we talked about what happens in salvation. I want you to understand now the spiritual reality. Here's the spiritual reality that comes out of that change that happens in your life. For some of you, this is going to be completely new, but it's always been here in the Bible. And by the way, I'm not giving you any new teaching. This is what they used to teach a lot 50 years ago. But what's happened in the last few years, we're more into pop psychology and trying to figure out how to cope with our sins rather than living the life that God called us to live. So I want you to notice the spiritual reality, okay? Look at that next phrase he says there, all right? Look at what he says, verse 20. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, so here's what I want you to see. First of all, the old you who was in bondage to sin no longer lives. The old you. The old you who was enslaved to sin. The old you who was guided by the world, the culture, and whatever the culture wants to do. Satan, whatever he's pushing your button about and tempting you and and accusing you of and lying to you about, and even your own flesh, the old you who was in bondage to that no longer lives. It's no longer the old you. You now are a new person. That's the spiritual reality here. Okay? That's the spiritual reality. Here's the second thing he says. Your life became new as Christ lives in you. Look at what he says. The life I now live. What is he talking about? How he's presently living. The life I now live, I live by what? Faith. In who? The Son of God. Now let's stop for a moment. This is the dividing line. All right, let's go back. Remember I told you he's upset with them because somebody's come along to them and told them a lie that their continued acceptance with Jesus is based upon what they're doing? whether or not they're keeping the new moons the festivals eating the right stuff getting circumcised by keeping the law and i told you in our context it would be whether or not i'm doing the right stuff by having my devotions every day or spending a lot of time in prayer or going to this function or that function or not going over here or not going over here and not doing this i mean we can go on we can spend all day talking about the rules that we know from church how many people know about rules in church right man-made i'm not talking about bible rules i'm talking about man-made rules you know what i'm talking about I mean, I can share you some from South Carolina, and you're like, really, they do that? Yeah, I can go back to there and tell them about what you do, and they're like, what? Are you kidding me? Yes, the man-made stuff. And if you don't do them, you're not a good Christian, right? All right, but listen, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. That's a life led by what? Doing... The right stuff. And can you do the right stuff? Well, you could make a good effort at it, right? But you're always going to what? Fail. Contrast that with the new life. The new life, the life he's living now. Notice what he said. The life I'm living now is not by my religious actions. It's by what? Faith. Faith. See the difference? For some of you, that will free you. What do you mean, free me? Because remember, like, oh, I didn't get to get my devotions this week. Every day has been crazy. Every day, I, I mean, I was up at night with the kids, and then I get up in the morning, I thought, I'll spend some time with you, Lord, and it didn't happen. And, and here we are, with Sunday, and I haven't spend any time with you in the Word this week, Lord. How can you love me? You said that's crazy, George. Yeah, but some of us talk that way, don't we? I can tell you how he loves you. It isn't because you did your devotions. It's because Jesus died for you. Do you understand? That's how he loves you. Because Jesus died for you. Not because of what you did. Because you can never do enough. When are we going to grasp that? So I live my life not by my actions. I live my life by faith. The new life becomes new as Christ lives in you. Do you understand? In you. So, the new focus here, here's the new focus. Third section. I've been kind of putting the sections together a little bit, but let's kind of delineate a little bit. Here's the new focus. Two things. You continue to live your life, first of all, in your physical body. You're still continuing to live right now. Do you understand? When you got saved, nothing you didn't just disappear somewhere in your body. You are still living your life right now in this physical body. Do you understand? It's how you live your life now. That's the issue. It's how you live your life. You're still living in your physical body that's been trained. Folks, I trained. It took me a while, but I trained my body in years of drinking sweet tea. It took a doctor Two Decembers ago to make me realize that I had to change my sweet tea habit to now I drink unsweetened tea. It was hard at first. It was gagging me. But I've adjusted. Did you understand? You need to adjust. Because before you were used to living it by doing stuff. Now live it by what? You are still living the same body, but you got to change Change your focus. Change your focus to what? Living by faith rather than by your actions. See, that's the second point I want you to see here. But now, you live each moment by faith in Jesus. You live each moment by faith in Jesus. We say that's pretty hard to do, George. Pretty hard to do considering that, you know, I mess up, and I'm trying to overcome it, and I mess up, and and, and, and surely God has changed the way that he looks at me because I mess up. Yeah, I understand that. I mess up too. But I want you to understand something. It goes all the way back to my favorite psalm, Psalm 37. Listen to these two verses, okay? Okay, can can I tell you something? God is not shocked by the stupid thing you did. Some of you need to hear that. I mean, you and I get shocked by stuff. You, you, You know what I'm saying? We're human because we don't know everything. So like when our kids do something or when a friend does something and we're like, oh, Wow, I wasn't expecting that. That's not God. How do I know that? Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. Listen to what he says The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. All right, so God, God's aware of your life and what he's, he's got your life set out before you, okay? And He delights in His way. Now, that's, that to me is an amazing phrase. God takes pleasure in your life. Right, some of you just got to think about that for a moment. Because you're like, oh, my my life, I wish I, my life was different. I messed up, I messed up. Look at what he just said. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. God takes pleasure in your life. Wow, isn't that awesome? You bring pleasure to God by your life. What about my screw-up? That's where verse 24 comes in. Look at what it says here. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Wow. I'd like to say it this way. God's got a plan for my life and it already includes my screw-ups. You may want to write that one down. God's got a plan for my life but it already includes my screw-ups. Do you realize that? He's not shocked. That's what living by faith is. Because you can't have faith in yourself. Because you're always going to What? fail. Do you understand that? You're always going to fail. You've got to start seeing it from how God sees you. And he wants you to live your life for him, not because you feel like you have to in order to gain his acceptance. You live your life for him in response to him. And you live it by faith. Do you see the difference? Do you see how far off track they got? Let's just be honest. Haven't we gotten far off track in our lives as Christians? And it's easy to get there. Because people will come along and say, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't, you know, hey, you know, really? Then you find out that they were doing it. What's the deal with that? They're a sinner. That's what the deal is. So, okay, what do we do with this, George? Well, let me give you two things that I want you to ponder and process this morning, okay? Because my concern is that we begin to live by faith. We begin to get into that Ford or that Dodge, and we know there's something beneath the engine, and we're using it. Oh, pastor told me I could speed from here to Clearfield. No, I didn't tell you that. I'm telling you to realize what's beneath the hood in your life. Okay? Listen, here's the first thing. Number one, you've got to understand this. The Christian life is more than just managing sins in your life. The Christian life is more than just managing sins in your life. Do you need to do something about the sins in your life? Yes, he tells you not to sin. Okay, Do not walk out of here and say, well, George says I can just go do whatever I want to do now. Hey, if I No, that is not what I'm saying. He tells you not to sin. He tells you to be holy. But some of you have reduced your life down to just trying to manage the sins. That's not the Christian life. Did you understand me? That's not the Christian life. The Christian life isn't about managing your sins. It's a whole lot more than that. Okay, so you got to grasp that one. Here's the second thing. Salvation empowers you to live each day according to your faith in Jesus. You know, we get it so Wrong. What do you mean we get it so wrong? When we just think in terms of salvation of later on when we go to be with Him in heaven, we'll be, you know, and and right now the only thing we got is forgiveness. No, you got it wrong. You got it completely wrong. You're missing the boat. Salvation isn't about just later on. Salvation is about living for Him right now because you are new. It's a new you if you know Jesus. Do you understand? And the power of sin has been broken. Start living that way. Live by faith. So salvation empowers you to live each day according to your faith in Jesus. Now here's my here's my prayer for you. That you and I would begin to realize that we're not the same anymore. Do you hear what I said? You're not the same anymore. And that the God of the universe lives within you and has made you new. And the life that he's given you is to live a life of trust and faith in him day by day. And as you live that life, you'll deal with those sins. Trust me, he doesn't like those sins any more than you do. He probably hates them more than you do. He does hate them more than you do. And he wants you to deal with them. But how do you deal with them? By faith. Did you understand what I'm saying? By faith. So my prayer is is that you begin to realize who you are. Quit listening to the lies. And believe me, folks, they are there in the church today. Big one right now is vote for the right person. Voting has nothing to do with Jesus. How do I know that? They didn't have democracies when Jesus was around. This is not the issue. It's about your faith in Him. Do you understand? Your faith in Him. Let me pray for you.